It's Friday, January 13th, 2017, and you're listening to episode 429 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 51 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. Still Chad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just the two of us because everybody else between holidays and cancer and whatever lame-ass excuses they have are all busy. Real quick, I gave a false alarm about a podcast or two back where I said that the second part of my interview with Jim McClure was out. It wasn't at the time of that show, but it is now out. So if you're interested in hearing both parts of my sort of behind-the-scenes, you know, what goes on with Dan outside of Fear of the Boot and all that kind of stuff. I will link to that in the show notes, both parts of my interview with Jim McClure from the One Shot Podcast Network are now up, and you guys can check those out. It's scintillating. I actually listened to both of them. Really? Yes. Because yes. you said that you mentioned me, and my massive ego wouldn't let me I not listen. I think I did, didn't I? Yes, in both episodes. Yeah, yes. I was mentioned in both episodes. Boring. <laughs> stuff I already knew. Is, I mean, I know I'm great and entertaining, but, you know, there need to be more me in this interview you. about you. Right, right. So, Chad, we got a gaming topic we're going to get to, but before we get to that, I, I have a rant I want to go on yes. about what happened at the Thai restaurant. <laughs> the Thai raid. A Thai raid, if yes. you will. And Is that racist? I don't know if it's racist. No, it's just a bad pun. It's oh. a terrible pun because it doesn't involve Thai people. Oh, okay. So, it just happened at a Thai restaurant. It's about yeah. these two white chicks. But, but what if there was a raid in the Thai restaurant and we said it was a Thai raid? Would that be racist? I can't keep up with what is and is not racist anymore. Just everything's racist. All right. but the, Much like the Avenue Q song. Yes, where everyone is racist. But before we get into that, there is a geek topic. No. Oh. It's not gaming, but it's geek. That, is it chic? You tell me, because it's your topic. Oh, crap. That we were talking about before recording. Mm-hmm. We were watching the trailer for the upcoming movie, Alien Covenant, mm. which I, I was kind of surprised because there's supposed to be Sigourney Weaver, and who was the other, there's the one space marine that survived mm. aliens, I can't remember his name. Uh, nobody but, survived aliens, because in Aliens 3... Well, that but they're not, they're counting Aliens 3 as like... Non-canonical. Oh, God. See, now that's something I can't keep up with. But the point being, no one survived. That was the whole thing. Aliens, you think at least a couple of people are going to survive. Aliens 3, nobody survived. Yeah. But, okay, in Aliens, right? Well, in the the Aliens Because in Aliens, there were three people that survived. Right. You had Sigourney Weaver. Yep. You had the girl, Newt. Yes. And then you had, there was the... Game over, man. There was the one Marine. No, no, it, no, the, he died. Yeah. yeah. The game over guy died. It was, it was, it, I can't Bill remember. Bill Paxton. Was it Hicks? Uh, Hicks, Bill Paxton was Hicks. Okay. And he died. So whoever it was. And it was... Both of them are yeah. supposed to be in this movie. And it's like some famous guy and people are like, well, it's that guy in that movie who did the thing. You can't, yaw. Yeah, I, I, I sales straight right. outside of my radar. But they're supposed to be in the movie, and I didn't see either of them in the preview. Are they like 80? I don't know. But you said something yes. that, that kind of struck me as odd until you explained it. I hope the movie fails. That was what struck yeah. me as odd. And I was like, I okay. really hope it does. Because as someone who I know, one, mm-hmm. likes science fiction, and two, yes. is also a fan of both the Alien and mm-hmm. Predator megaverse, or whatever right. you want to call right. it. Read a lot read of the, the novels and comic the books. Yep. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I thought you had a great reasoning. Yes. Why? So for the sake of the listeners, 
Why do you want this movie to fail? Because I'm right. <laughs> you throw up your hands like this West Side. <laughs> right. Because I'm right. No. Do you not understand? <laughs> so I want alien. What are they calling this? Aliens, alien covenant. Regurgitation or something. Alien yeah. covenant. Alien, new aliens movie. And we're talking. We're not talking like Prometheus or some philosophical weird could join thing or whatever. This right. is a straight up. You're on a ship. They're coming to get you. Everybody's getting slaughtered and blood is getting splattered on the camera. Right. This is alien to its max to its type of genre. Right. And I don't want the movie to succeed because if you go back in movie history, coming out of the seventies and into the eighties, we won't, we won't really get into before that, but coming out of the seventies and into the eighties and into the nineties, science fiction if you're not talking about star trek and you're not talking about star wars science fiction is synonymous with horror many science fiction movies and what people thought of as science fiction movies in the 80s and the 90s was slasher horror flicks you're on a ship or on a planet and there's an alien and the alien's coming to kill you and he's slaughtering your friends and it's jump scares the movies were jump scares. And like if you go to the science fiction section right. in a blockbuster, this is how 80s we're talking about, it's all splatter gore fest horror movies. And if you go to the horror section, there are science fiction movies in there because they are slaughter horror fest movies. Going into the 2000s, you were getting that a little bit, but you were coming out of it. And that has kind of gone away. And now we have good science fiction movies. We have The Martian. We have Moon. We have all these really great adult big boy movies that don't need to to lean on slaughter, jump scares, gore fest, horror. And that's something I would add into there is even... And that's why I want the movie to fail because I don't want to go back to those days. Yeah, and something I would add to that is even when they weren't outright horror movies... They were certainly always very gory at the very least. Right. You did get the kind of dark dystopian. There was like Total Recall. Total but Recall. That had a lot of gore and violence. Right. To and it same and... thing with like Robocop and right. whatever. You know, they, they weren't per se horror movies, no. but they leaned very heavily on sort of a dark comedy dystopia. The original mixed, Judge Dredd. Mixed with a lot of excessive gore. Right. And so it's still. Had... I mean, there were no They Live. To be sure, but... <laughs> but but they still had that sort of horror-ish shock right. value, yeah. even if they weren't directly horror films. Basically, but, the storytelling in those movies were so weak, it had to lean on something else. You, you know what? It, a movie that I really hope succeeds... I was talking to Brodor about this. Mm-hmm. There's some movie coming up. I don't even remember its title, because I don't care. It's not meant for people like me. <laughs> okay. It's a young adult romance oh, movie yes, yes. that it's about... It's like the fault in our stars. I call it the fault in our Mars. Mars, yeah. Because it's, it's about a teenage boy who lives on Mars. And, and discovers he really likes girls. And, like yeah. a lot. <laughs> and he discovers stalking some chick on Earth. But apparently <laughs> okay. he has a heart condition where Mars' low gravity allows him to live. But sure. Earth's normal gravity will kill him. And for some reason, we have the technology to go to and from Mars, but not to do a heart transplant. Right. And I'm sure there's some cheesy story reason for this that they'll use to explain that away. Dan, stop hitting on the power of love. Okay. <laughs> but the point means... This, or horny but, teenage but lust. But the, the point is, right? Yes. That this kid goes back to Earth and discovers that she's the most beautiful thing on the right. planet and all this all this it's it's Dawson's Creek sure. or whatever type. Nonsense. So this is for Pat and other teenage girls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
Well, that, that does like a great book title, though, Pat and Other Girls. I've, I've started calling this movie The Fault in Our Mars mm-hmm. because the reason, though, the reason I want it to succeed is because of the fact that when I saw this preview, I was sitting next to Brodor and I leaned over to him and I said, what this represents to me is the fact that science fiction has gone so completely mainstream that having a date movie for 15-year-olds Mm-hmm. set in space earth but, well right right yeah, but has but, science fiction right, elements right. to it mars colony that is now a desired thing yeah. right this is a sign that science fiction has become very very demographically or cross demographically attractive as a genre and this is something that i really appreciate i want there to be a oh, there's this terribly boring movie that came out some years back that my dad's obsessed with. <laughs> it's based on a real story about where some guy like wanted to see his brother before he dies, but he's so old that he's lost his driver's license, and his daughter's got some kind of special need where she can't drive him. And so what the dude does, because it doesn't require a driver's license, or at least nobody's going to pull you over for it, is he hops his riding lawnmower and takes it across like a couple states. Sounds like an old man movie. Th- th- it totally is, right? But see, I want to see the set in space. <laughs> For the same reason yeah. you don't want to see the alien movie succeed, right. I want to see the set in space because if my dad comes to me, he's like, you know, I just watched this great movie about a guy who hops his one-man trashy <laughs> s- space shuttle that picks up asteroid debris to make it across the solar system to see his brother on Neptune before he dies, then yeah. to me that, you know, it, that's... Well, look at it this way, like... Because see, just as you're not wanting to see science fiction shoved back into that tight corner right. where it's Star Trek, Star Wars, and then a and whole lot of slasher... Boobs, bitches, and blood. Yeah. In the same way, I see its expansion into movies that I abhor as Mm -hmm. a sign that it is successful it's like when i see these beautiful beautiful meadow flowers growing into (laughs) the yard of the neighbor i hate it's a sign they're here to stay (laughs) and it's the same thing i'm okay with fault in our mars Look at it this way the popularity of hunger games which is science fiction got a lot of girls into both sci-fi and archery you did. I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, something called. Unless you're like a boy and you shit all over one of these girls and now they're armed with a bow and arrow. It's. Yeah, there's something <laughs> but called. But that's your problem. I was actually just talking to my sister in law. Is uh, she into archery? Yes. Well, what happened is right after Hunger Games, Old Brave or whatever it was called, yeah. and then there were several right. movies in a row about a girl and her bow. Sure. And it's kind of like a boy and his dog, but it's a girl and her bow. And Hunger Games being the biggest wasn't the only one. And several of these came out. And what she said happened was there was such an explosion of interest in archery that something called the NASP, it's like National Archery School Program, I think is what Mm -hmm. NASP stands for, that it just exploded. That these archery clubs went from nobody's in them to they can't handle the signups. And so they were looking for teachers that were willing to become an ASP certified so they could basically mentor children and 
teach them how to use the bows without mm-hmm. killing themselves, whatever, killing each other. These are weapons. Right. And so she was talking about that, about how there has been this explosion and in interest in that. I think you can look at something similar, as, as awful as it is. Twilight blew wide open the interest in urban fantasy. Sure. Uh, along with the, what was the series, the book series before, not Dresden Files, earlier than that. The one about some woman's name, Vampire Hunter. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? No, not Buffy. It's, the woman who writes actually lives here, lives in St. Louis. Oh. Um, uh, Laurel K. Hamilton. Yeah. Um Anita Blake. Anita, Anita Blake. Blake. There we oh, go. Okay. Laurel K. Hamilton. Okay. And I actually... I don't read porn, so... Yeah, leave all that in there, because my inability to know these things, <laughs> this, this is part of my cred. So, but, but <laughs> the point being, these things... Do you know Wayne met her? Has met her several times? Did you know she pimped for the con? Yes. Yes, I did. That, like, like, like the most recent one. Yes. It, yeah. yeah, when we yeah. were doing the Fear the Con X Kickstarter, like right as it was in the home stretch, there was a... I think it was the wing night, mm-hmm. and we weren't sure if we were going to cross that line or not, and Scott Bonner made a tweet about it, and I guess she follows him because yeah. of all the whole Ferguson library thing or whatever, and so she retweeted it to her, like, 55,000 or whatever sure. followers, and all of a sudden, bam, we got, like, 1,500 bucks that pushed us, like, <laughs> nice. across the finish line. Does that mean we have to stop making fun of her books? Well, hey, you know what? I actually... Uh, you know, actually, I've never read any of her books. All though. jokes aside, I, I seriously am contemplating, since she's local, mm-hmm. reaching out to her and seeing if I can get her to come to the convention. I don't know if it'll happen or not, yeah. but since she lives in St. Louis... Hey. All you can do is ask. Yeah, ask her and say, hey, you plug the convention, we'd love to have you show up and whatever. I don't know. What's the harm, right? But the point is that whether you like their work or not. Oh, my not, God. We'd have to get Wayne to wear his custom fake fangs. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no. In a cave. Oh, oh my God. I'm so excited now. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about all these series, whether you liked any of them or not, you know, they represented right. something going mainstream. Hey, you know, she's selling more books than I am. Yeah, well, you know, and <laughs> on top of that, if you Jim Butcher, mm-hmm. you know, whether you want to say this or not, if I'm not mistaken on the timeline, Jim Butcher came thereafter. Mm-hmm. You know, Anita Blake was moving books, Laurel yeah. Hamilton's books, you know, they were moving. Right. Anita Blake was out there. I'm not as sure a, who started the whole urban fantasy thing. I mean, obviously that there's been like urban fantasy, hell, you could argue dr jekyll mr hyde is urban fantasy but in a way but uh you know i'm not sure who was the real first successful one because they've had urban fantasy in russia you know norcha dorzo and and that sort yeah. of thing so i mean in america i guess I well know. it's still be kind of niche but shout run but it was still fairly niche i mean but anyway yeah. the point being the point being i i understand it was a fascinating thought though as to why you wanted alien to fail to completely. fail completely i wanted to absolutely fail I hope it's a terrible movie. I don't want movies to go back. I don't want science fiction to stop being really good and thoughtful and interesting. I don't want to go back to the jump scare blood on the screen days. Yeah. I have mixed feelings. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I liked Prometheus more than I know is socially acceptable to like it. (laughs) By which I mean I thought it was good. Like, Mm -hmm. you know... Not B. bad. I mean, yeah, yeah it wasn't. You know, it's not like a. You don't plus. own the T-shirt. You're not getting the Blu-ray special box edition. Yeah, or anything. I, I, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm not shaving my head and taking human growth hormones to become <laughs> nine feet tall and all these things. But you know, the the, the point being that I liked. Everyone hated that movie. I liked it. I, mm-hmm. you know, it was a good B, yeah. solid B grade movie. And I'm looking forward to Prometheus too. But the thing I give Prometheus is while it had 
some small amount of gore and squeamish sure. moments and jump scares in a big rolling ship and a big rolling ship <laughs> you that could for some right reason you can't run 90 degrees away from <laughs> right. yeah by the way here's a huge hint to anyone who like worst case scenario type game here if you ever find yourself running away from a ship that's rolling like a quarter at you <laughs> the quickest way to get away from it is not to time your running with the gap in the ship it's <laughs> simply to move a handful of feet to the right or left. And yep. yeah, that that's going to be your best bet. But anyway, even Harrison Ford, I mean, he couldn't, he was in a tunnel. Yeah, he was in and, a tunnel. And even then he did when he had an opportunity, he jumped to the right and let the boulder keep on going. Yeah, exactly. See, we've had, the, we've had the technology, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have the technology to dodge rolling things. <laughs> it apparently just has not made it forward that far into the future. It's like lost tech and yes, battle tech. And it's like a collapsible cup. Oh yeah. Oh, I can't even comprehend the right tech. and left turns are lost technology. Yep. It's gone. We need the engineers to teach us yes. to open up that who, part of our brain who is the leonardo da vinci of of battletech collapsible cups <laughs> that's who i want to play in a battletech game they call him blinker it's said he can make right and left turns <laughs> right he's a genius whole wars have been fought over trying to kidnap this guy yes he is the reason for the collapse <laughs> of the star league but all right so our tirade and then we're gonna do a gaming topic <laughs> so we were in a tie restaurant. yeah we were at a tie restaurant dan so- orders a zero spicy. Mm-hmm. I order a five. The waitress tries to talk me out of it into a four. I say a five. Carla starts laughing and I get nervous because never challenge someone on their country's spiciness. Yeah, I didn't. Now, that's not what the tirade is about. No. But the, what Chad's saying is great. If you, okay, there was a story in the news a while back that I did not understand because somebody went into some kind of an ethnic restaurant. I I don't Mm -hmm. recall what it was. And they asked for something to be extremely mild. And when they got the receipt on the receipt, the item, because it had like its markups below. So it's like, you know, this, add this, hold this, whatever. Mm -hmm. And there was a note along with that where apparently they described his spice level as white people mild. Right. Which these people got all been out of shape about. Now, there's no big political social thing to this. I have used that phrase right. myself. Exactly, verbatim. I have verbatim used that phrase. I've gone into an, like an Indian restaurant, and because one, I don't like spicy food, and two, because of be. the LPR. Or LPR. Yeah, because of the LPR. I'm Your not, PBR. Yes, my PBR. <laughs> because of my PBR, I'm not supposed to eat spicy foods. And so when I go into an Indian or Thai restaurant, I say, you know, mild, no spice. Now, what do you mean a one? And the phrase that has come out of my own mouth is, no, I mean, no spice, white people food. Right. That's what I say to them. Now, I've had the opposite experience. I I went to a Thai restaurant. Yes, this is where you throw the gauntlet down. Oh, yeah. I was with this guy I worked with, and this was downtown. And there's a restaurant called The King and I. It's like, I think, the first Thai restaurant in St. Louis, right? So run and owned by people from Thailand. And, you know, there's a lot of Thai decorations and they're very pro-Thai and they really love their culture and heritage. It's great because I love Thai and Thai food and Thai culture. It's awesome. Well, he goes in there and he's like, oh yeah, I love spicy. I too love spicy food. I love it. It's great. He sits down and this Thai gentleman walks up and, you know, we order 
And they're like, well, on a scale of one to five, how spicy would you like your food? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I'll take a five. And this guy does not say, oh, yes, please make mine a five. No, he's like, I want you to make this as hot as you can make it. You make this hot like back in your country. You can't make it hot enough for me, man. You got nothing on spice. And I'm like, oh, my God. This guy, my coworker, just goes on and on and on, basically tells them that their cultural heritage of spicy food is weak shit. Yeah, well, and he was going to own it. I have found that is... I won't do this once because I'm, no. I'm on the white people's side of this. I right? love spicy food and I don't do this. Right. If you really want the gauntlet down, Ugh. you walk into a restaurant and when they say, how hot do you want it? You just insert the culture name. So if if it's an Indian restaurant, you say, I want this Indian spicy. If you're in a Thai restaurant, you say, I want this Thai spicy. And they understand that's not a number. No, it's not. It's it's, it's because our and it's not it's not a place where math goes. Right. <laughs> it's a place where math goes to die. <laughs> and this if, if five peppers or whatever right. their measure is not enough for you. You say, I want this Thai hot. Right. And it suddenly becomes a challenge. Yes. That's what happened at the King and I with my coworker. He basically kicked sand in the face of them. And I don't know what happened. Basically, they went back into the kitchen and they're like, okay, well, we're going to show these white boys what spicy is. Unfortunately, that occurred to my, yes, Yes. literally and figuratively. The the, the the problem was the chef assumed his final form and his finisher (laughs) does 9999 damage to everyone in the party. Yes. It's it's that's how it works. It's just the math, right? Mm -hmm. That's the mechanics. If you don't. Here I am. I'm the white mage. Exactly. You're the white mage. You haven't gotten around even casting, like, you know, the pre-res spells, the one that yeah. auto brings, you know, auto life or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have you didn't even know this was coming. No, no. So I you, thought I thought I was going to spin some gill and get some noodles. Yeah, exactly. You have no idea that you actually needed auto life yeah. and already going until the chef assumes his final form. Right. And the food was literally inedible. I blew out my O-ring. It was awful. (laughs) So it went from challenge to challenger. (laughs) Right. And it was just... Blew out that O-ring like the challenger. (laughs) He... I was sweating. I was red. My bald spot was sweating. It was terrible. I mean, the food was delicious. Don't get me wrong on that count. Sure. It was just... Well, actually, I don't know if it was delicious or not. I couldn't taste anything. Yeah, well, see, okay, the American palate has a tuning to a different spice. Which is... Um, pepper sweet yeah yeah it's sweet Uh, okay so that's why to an american palate desserts in almost every other country are incredibly bland right is because we have a palate that is very very tuned to sweet just as people in like other countries can sit there or even america whatever if you're this crazy and sit there and eat hot peppers. Yeah. Like, as enjoyable. Like, this is fun to them. Well, hey, look at kimchi. Yeah. I mean, I, I will sit there. And I will pop sugar cubes. I will literally <laughs> eat raw sugar cubes. Ah, betish. Because that, <laughs> you know what? But capsaicin will not give you diabetes. But here, here's <laughs> nor like, will it make you fat. If someone walked up to me and said, "Make me an American dessert," and we assume for a minute I could bake, which I right. can't, right? Magically, boom, you right. can bake. Magically, I can bake. And I go out and I bake something. They're like, "That wasn't sweet enough." 
Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Just get this guy to shut up. (laughs) I'm just going to take a whole bag of C&H granulated sugar. You're going to make deep fried sugar. And I'm exactly. (laughs) I'm going to dipped in powdered sugar. And then caramelized. Caramelized. And then dipped in a chocolate fountain. And rolled in sugar. (laughs) Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Dipped in Coke. Yeah. Yes. It will be Colombian insanity (laughs) sugar. And... That's what I will do, right? See, that that's that's the sort of thing. Or it'd be like coming to my table and saying, laughing and saying, guffaw, guffaw. I do not see any pork or firearms on the table. Right. You think that, my dear friends from other countries, mm-hmm. do you think I cannot put pork and firearms on the table? <laughs> Believe me, I can. Now, this is what's going through the mind of these people when you walk in as some sparkling, mm-hmm. you know, vampire white guy straight out of Twilight. Right. And you say, oh, you can't make it your You're, country yeah. spicy. You, I can. you can't make it. As soon as he, he was on this tirade, and as soon it was like, bad, this is bad, this is bad. And then he uttered the phrase, quote, you can't make it yeah. hot enough. We are, look, we are Americans. <laughs> they cannot make it sugary enough. <laughs> right. They may not be able they to. They can't obst- make it deep fried enough. They may not be able to obstruct your colon with beef. No. There are certain things we are culturally immune to. Don't play that game. No. that no. You won't win that, right? We, we didn't. We didn't. The toilets didn't. We didn't. Nothing. Nothing. With the styrofoam container, it ate a hole through. Didn't. It was. It was bad. So our role playing topic. This is. Yes. This, this episode's all together. It's totally not a bonus episode. No. We're only twenty seven minutes in. I haven't even gotten to the tirade. Maybe it does need to be a bonus episode because we got... save your tirade. All right. I'll save the tirade for bonus episode or negative episode or something. Because you can get pretty salty with this tirade. Oh, I so, could. So be, it should be a, it should be a all, negative episode. All right. Well, bonus episode, negative episode, something. We're, we're going to hold on to this because these two. Save are, your salt. All right. Role playing topic. Yes. So, Chad, there's something that you and I were coincidentally both thinking about. In your case, because somebody asked you. In my case, because I got to thinking about it, which is adapting existing role playing games to something they were never per se meant to accommodate. All right, let me explain what I mean. Well, by let it. me caveat this real quick. All right. So you remember a couple episodes ago where I said some guy on Facebook said this or did this and I don't remember his name but blah 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 blah. Yeah. Same thing here. Some guy on Facebook asked me a question about taking a game that is not intended for a particular IP yes. and you, and changing the game enough to make it usable for that sure. IP. It, Some guy on Facebook said that. I don't remember your name. I'm very sorry. So I think one thing we can pull off the table here. I'm bad with names. That's not what we're pulling off the table. One thing I think we can pull off the table here is for a moment, let's put aside intended generic systems. Mm-hmm. Because I think that sort of defeats what we're trying to describe. You can here. run anything in Quags. Bingo! Yeah. yeah, somebody's made a D twenty or Savage hack of everything under the sun. We mm-hmm. we get it. So and then that's cool. That's great. You know, I don't have a problem with generic systems when they're used for what they're meant to be used for. I don't have a problem with them. I think some of them are great. But that's you've got a lot of generic system friends. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute on that one. <laughs> I have many system generic friends. My wife is even one half system (laughs) generic. (laughs) I totally support system generic. No, you don't. You don't support system generic. I I voted for a generic system candidate. (laughs) You 
hate generic systems. <laughs> just say it. <laughs> just be honest. My bumper sticker says, don't blame me. I'm shaking. <laughs> <sighs> All right. But what we're going to talk about here is specifically non-generic systems. Right. That you take and readapt to a different setting or a different storyline that it seems to work for. And Chad, the one somebody asked you about, and we'll keep the spoilers out of this, but you're just going to trust us on that. But this specific example was adapting Blades in the Dark to Rogue One. All right. Right. Here's the spoiler-free setup on Rogue One. It's a World War II heist movie. Yeah, it's it's a movie about... Even as a French spy. It's a movie about people that are doing spy work and special operations stuff in the lead-up to a major conflict. All right, duh. You... Get that. And so Blades in the Dark, similarly. They even have a Nazi who is no longer a Nazi, but doesn't understand our American culture. It's great. But the Blades in the Dark game is obviously about these kinds of things, about street gangs and heists and a criminal underworld. Mm-hmm. And the, and sort the of tropes a, and archetypes a, that a, fuel that heist sort of mentality. And evading a very well-equipped and well-organized yep. system. Because I know in that world you have those robotic or pseudo-robotic cop things. Oh, the tall boys? Yes, the yeah, tall the, boys. From, th- that's not in the game, but it's oh. from Dishonored. Dishonored, right. Which is basically... Okay. Yeah, but, but the point... They're in, tall boys are in my game, though. Right, I know they were in your game. But the point is, the game has similarities, but it's obviously not right, it's, a Star Wars system. It's clockwork, sort of fantasy punk. So, let's say you were going to run... Star Wars. Well, let's say Rogue One, right? right? But let's say you were going to run a Star Wars style game where we're playing people in Resistance or in the Underworld or something like that. We're playing something that fits very well within the general tropes of Blades in the Dark, but is a completely different setting. Yeah. Where's your mind go on this? Well, you know, when the guy whose name I don't remember, I feel real bad about that. No, I don't. But when the guy asked me, he's like, you know, do you think that you could use Blades in the Dark for Rogue One? And or Star Wars Rebels, too, is another example, which I had not. I've never seen Rebels. And at first I was like, no, of course you can't, because one is magic and it's in a city and it's clockwork punk and it's, you know, this different world and stuff. And so I was about to tell him that. But as I was typing out my response of no, I don't think that that would be a very good idea. I started actually thinking about it. And I think when people have problems with a specific system working with a IP or genre that it isn't intended for, people get way too down in the weeds. Well, you can't use D&D to do a Vietnam game because D&D is swords and dragons and elves. Vietnam is soldiers and machine guns and bombs. And those two, those are not the same thing. And it's like, well, those are just trappings, right? A system is just numbers. It's just an algebra equation with random modifiers plugged into it. So a sword, there is no sword in D&D. There's no magic. It's just 2D6 or 1D6 or whatever it is, and we call that a sword. So when you change the trapping on it and tweak it a little bit to say this 1D6 sword is actually a uh, assault rifle and that it can hit a man over there instead of, you know, two feet in front of you, well, suddenly those trappings don't matter. 
you look at the algebra equation without the trappings to it. You look at the mechanics of it and say, do the mechanics of D&D without its trappings lend itself to a Vietnam game? Or in this case, does the mechanics, does the algebra equation of Blades in the Dark lend itself to Rogue One? There's no force in Blades in the Dark. There's no blasters. There's certainly no spaceships or anything like that. And Blades in the Dark has none of that in it. It doesn't work. But when you lift yourself out of the weeds, you can say to yourself, well, Blades in the Dark was designed to be a heist game. And what is Rogue One? Rogue One is a movie about a heist. It's about spies and a heist and this threat that's bigger than you are that you subvert, you overcome through subterfuge, trickery. That's Blades in the Dark. That is absolutely 100% blades in the dark. So we take that mechanics, that algebra equation that is the entirety of the game, and we start changing the trappings around. Instead of crossbows and spirit powers and ghosts and stuff, well, no, you, you don't have daggers, you have a blaster. You don't have the ability to, you know, use spirit magic stuff, you have force powers. I, I think one of the things that you said there, and I'm going to use a slightly stronger phrasing, if you said don't get stuck in the weeds, I'm going to rephrase that as unpucker. Yeah. Because when I was thinking this through on my own, where mm. I was contemplating this, was one of the homebrew systems that I've had for a while run a few times, not run it nearly as often as Epoch Rises or Skies of Glass, but it was a very, very distant future science fiction, like the you know, sort of distant future where Earth doesn't even necessarily have a significance and right. a human culture is effectively unrecognizable and all this kind of stuff. But I was toying around with trying to put magic into the setting. And there were some things that I had set around that and whatnot without falling into a lot of the tropes that usually go with that. And I started contemplating, because right now there's a Dresden game that I'm playing with Johnny G and Little mm -hmm. Sexy and Miranda and, and whatever. And as we were playing that you're, game... You're playing with someone named whatever? <laughs> yeah. Why <laughs> what not? What horrible parents. <laughs> But I, I this started, is what happens when hippie. It's not hippies name their kids, but Gen Xers name their yeah, kids. Yeah, like, whatever. No, you. moon child, you, hey, whatever. <laughs> but I started thinking about that, and when I look at the big things I'm trying to capture within the setting, magic is far more descriptive than crunch. Right. It has qualities more than quantities. Well, Dresden is great for that. Fate it's in general about it. Yeah, yeah fate in general is great for that. One of the big questions that I'd had is how do you balance mages versus non-mages? But I didn't want to take the old trope of well, magic and technology don't mix because it was more the reverse. I wanted the two to mix very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to the point that you have like starships fueled by wizard hamsters or something, but <laughs> you know, yeah. But the point is that I, I didn't want that to be a thing where that's my cheap balancer is a wizard can't pick up a pistol or no. put on powered armor. Well, that, but that, Dresden's already yeah. built around that because Dresden has the built-in thing where the refresh rate on your fate ships is based upon what you have or haven't spent it upon 
which includes things like your access to spells and such. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, does Dresden have all of the details I need? Does it have rules for spaceships? Does it have things like this? No, but it certainly does have the broad strokes that I'm looking for. Another big part of the setting that I had written is one of the things is magic is very highly controlled that there are these academies that basically license the magic. And if you don't do things the way that they want, if you go rogue on them, then they're going to come after you, which means that you have a series of, number one, it's an organic magic system, so magic comes from who you are. So you have to have certain traits to begin with to even be predisposed to a particular type of magic. But then on top of that, you have rules that you have to obey lest you run afoul of these academies and they decide to send some transdimensional monster to kill you well that right there works perfectly into the fate system for Mm -hmm. i'm gonna tap the fact that i'm a wizard of the earth and you know create a rock shield and the gm can come back and can you know put a Mm -hmm. say look well i'll give you a chip if you decide not to do it this way because that goes afoul of what your school would want right you're something like that. yeah you have an aspect of loyal to your institute exactly and the aspects do a great job of capturing that sort of nebulous concept of loyalty to the school and so what I realized, I was thinking about this, that yes, there's a lot of places where I could get down in the detail, where I could really be like, well, it doesn't exactly do this the way I want. And it wouldn't. But it is close enough that it conveys the setting I'm after. And so you have to kind of unpucker and accept that, look, if you want it to be perfect, this is a different conversation. You need to homebrew a setting. Mm-hmm. If you're not looking to homebrew a setting, if you're looking to readapt, then you've got to accept from the start. Find a game where if you look at the gist of what your setting is about, Rogue One is about Heist and Sutterfeud. Dresden and my setting are about magic coexisting in a qualitative rather than quantitative state. It's about the descriptions of magic and such and how it interacts with a technologically advanced society. You know, the basic qualities, the things that stand out most about the settings are captured by the rule system we could theoretically adapt to play that. Mm -hmm. And you just have to accept that some of the details... But Dresden doesn't have spaceships and and lasers. And it's there's going to be some rules I have to add. There's going to be some rules I have to scratch off. But, and maybe eventually this does morph so far, it becomes its own homebrew. You know, but the starting point is you just, you got to chill. You got to accept, look, if you want to homebrew, homebrew. If you want to adapt, then this is, you know. Do you remember when we had Pat on, like, one of the first few episodes he was ever on? We had a topic that was very, very similar to this one. It was about taking systems that were not intended for IPs and making them towards that IP. You know, basically taking, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, D&D and using it for Doctor Who. Right. What, you know, so uh, that wasn't one of the examples, but it was just like really off the wall stuff. And we were we were kind of covering these topics that, that we're talking about here. And I remember Pat and I think maybe John was on it too. And you and I were the only ones who were on the same page and agreed. I remember Pat getting livid. He was, I mean, the dude's an engineer, right? 
So you're telling him that you, instead of putting a round peg in a round hole, you are saying we are going to take a hammer and we're going to hammer the square peg into the round hole and we're going to make it work. And so to his mind, no, you can't. They're not designed for that. They're not. And he was livid. But the reason I bring it up is because it's exactly what you're talking about, where you have to unpucker. If you are not 100% on board with this, if you're not comfortable with this idea, chill, relax, yeah. just unpucker a little bit and, and kind of step back and try to think how it could work instead of saying it can't work. One thing, though, I do think you have to accept on the flip side, though, is when you approach this, you have to look at what the game was meant to illustrate. Every rule system, you, you describe it for when you're talking mm. about D&D, every rule system is math that's used to abstract a concept. Yep. And if you look at D&D, for example, D&D does a great job through the level system and mm -hmm. whatnot of describing heroes that are on an, an yep. upward and upward and they are getting more and more powerful. They're and meeting greater and greater challenges. Yes. And it's this and epic hero's journey. These are that's, people of legend. Yep. And it, it is from zero to 20 it is the epic legendary hero's journey right. is what it's simulating. And that right there is why I don't think I would ever use D&D &D to tell something like a down-in-the-mud style right. Vietnam story. Yeah, absolutely. It's no, not, I, I completely agree It's with you. not yeah. because a D8 for a sword can't represent exactly. an M16. It's because of the fact that if you look at what the math of D&D &D was meant to emulate, what it was meant mm -hmm. to kind of get you in the in the sense of, that's completely not the sort of feel you're going for with yeah. something like Vietnam. While in, in Vietnam, while there were heroes on both sides, there was no hero's journey. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I don't know, maybe you have your own story you want to tell that's, that's like that. That's yeah. about some bigger-than-life tale. That's cool, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the point is, for a typical dirty, ugly, gritty-style Vietnam story. Yeah. This is not the system that I would pick. But the reason that I was thinking about Dresden Files for my game was because of the fact that it absolutely is at least in the right zip code. Mm -hmm. It's not perfect, but it's in the right zip code. You know, I could look at other games that mix magic and technology. Let's take a look, for example, at Shadowrun. Well, it has magic and it has technology and whatnot. But nobody has that many D6s. But... <laughs> But I did see I had someone to get my dig in there. I, well, actually, I did see somebody make the notation. I don't remember where I saw it. It was like D coffee can. <laughs> but the is that okay? So I, I got to derail here for just a second. Sure. So the D six thing was in Shadowrun has a reputation for if you make even a basic roll, you have to roll cavalcade of D sixes. Is that just in one of the editions, or is that true throughout and it, even up to the most recent? Yes and no. Okay. So in a typical roll in Shadowrun, your base roll is typically only going to be... And this be is for the most recent edition? As best as I recall. Okay. Okay, now... Because you're not avidly playing it. Right, right. I'm not avidly playing I don't have the book in front of me. But off the top of my head, the, the base way it works is most rolls are only made with a couple dice, right? Mm -hmm. We'll say four dice. But what happens is these can start getting complicated. So I might say, well, there's four to start with. But I'm going to dip into this pool and add two or three, mm -hmm. and maybe I've got a cybernetic that gives me another one or two, or a spell that gives me another one or two. And then I'm running, and so that's uh, yeah, another and so, one, and then there's cover, and that's another yeah. one. Yeah. And, and so you can get up to, let's say, a handful of dice. Mm -hmm. Where the coffee can of dice <laughs> comes from 
is when people really, really start min-maxing the system. The worst that I have ever seen was, I don't remember all the compounding factors, but there was a guy that was playing a troll. He was making some kind of strength attack, and he was drawing from a combat pool, and somehow somebody else was assisting him from another pool, and I don't remember how it worked. I, so if someone wants me to rewrite the situation, I would have to sit down with like a second or third edition book and rebuild this. But I do remember a specific number. By the time he rolled, he was rolling 22 dice. <laughs> no exaggeration. The man's attack was 22 dice. <laughs> and needless to say, he did not fail. Right. Because you could roll 22 and still win. Yeah, precisely. I, I could set any target number you want on 22 dice. And you're going to get it on one of them. You know, that's a whole whole different topic. Is why bother rolling? <laughs> why bother? I mean, it, it, is there a point when you're GM? Oh, you I've, say, dude, I've had those. You know, I, it's right. like, okay, you, you just do it. But there's something visceral about rolling dice. I've had that many times yeah. over where I've told my players don't even bother rolling. Mm -hmm. But are you robbing them of something when you do that? Uh, they rob themselves of it by making that character. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, when I made Gnarl, there, let's, there was a strength check where... At one point, they had him chained to the wall of a prison. Yeah. And each of the chains was anchored into a, a brick in the wall. But, you know, Darrell wasn't human. He was right. eight feet tall of nothing but muscle. And it, I just basically said, look, he's Knolls just... are strong, and he was strong for an old. Yeah, it's like, I'm not... He's not even going to break the chain, because you said the anchor is pretty strong. He's just going to pull the brick out of the wall. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. If I really guess wanted, what you got two weapons now. Yeah. If I really wanted to roll that, I should not have been playing a null. Right. A superhumanly strong <laughs> null of that. I should have been, you know, Wayne's character would have had to roll for that mm. really high. But anyway, the point being that I would never use Shadowrun for something Anything. for well <laughs> I use it for Shadowrun, but I never <laughs> use it for something like Dresden Files yeah. or this homebrew of mine. Because Shadowrun gets very much down into the quantity of things. Yeah. Things are, are they're given numbers, they're measured, spells are very specific about what they do. It's very There's much... There's no spell lists in Dresden. Yeah, it's, You make it up. Exactly. You just, you have a sense of what your sphere does, and you just sort of manipulate it. Uh, it gets really into detail about the cybernetics. It gets really into detail about things like the Matrix, things like the Astral Plane. This really isn't what Dresden's about, and it's really not what my homebrew's about. While Shadowrun does check off the boxes of having science fiction and fantasy, the types of stories that Shadowrun tells well, it's not what I'm trying to tell. In the same way, if you want my honest opinion, I think Blades in the Dark, and I have to be careful here to avoid spoilers, so I can't get too in the weeds on this, but I think that Blades in the Dark would do a better job of telling a Rogue One type story than the current iteration of the Star Wars games would, which are yes. the Fantasy Flight ones. Yep. Because I think that there's some elements about Rogue One, about the gestalt of the heist, yeah. the overarching projects that are going on, the sort of color of the whole thing. I, it's mm -hmm. really hard for me to explain this without yeah. spoiling the movie, but I, I really, really think that the Fantasy Flight Star Wars games, which I don't dislike. I, I played them and I enjoy them. I, they, Are they D20? No, that was the stuff that was done by Wizards of the Coast. Because it's Which fantasy. I think was really good. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Honestly, the second to last, the D20 revised Star Wars is my favorite edition. I liked well, it more than Saga. I like it more than Fantasy Flight. But no, this is Fantasy think, Flight. Think about it this way. We said that D&D &D would not really work for the Vietnam story. Right. Again, and, and this is not to get into 
Oh God, we said D and D. Now there's going to be an addition wank but, on the first right, but but it, it Star Wars work. is is a hero's journey. Yeah, it, it's about people that are are much larger than life, doing things that are much larger than life, going way beyond anything their peers could ever pray. It's of a doing. swashbuckling adventure. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason why you know when Luke came out as the Jedi Knight, pretty much the entirety of Jabba's paramilitary. Right. There's no match for him. There was a few moments they got a little sticky, but overall, you know, which one of them was any threat to him? Right. And there's really none of them. And I, yeah, you could argue maybe this guy or that guy, but I mean, overall, the point is, the Java, vast... yeah, Java could stand up to mind control, and that's it. Dude, yeah, he he had money. That was his power, and <laughs> he bought an army with it. Exactly. And you know, the the point being though that that's not yeah. that's not what Rogue One is. Right. At all. Rogue One is to explain the movie without spoilers. It is a World War II spy movie. It is all the tropes in it. It's the heist aspect yep. of it. It's the different cultures except are represented and the different characters. The, except they're stealing the plans to oh. the Death Star instead <gasps> of stealing... Is that a spoiler? Instead of, I don't even know what a spoiler is anymore. Uh, no, the stealing plans to the Death Star, that's not a spoiler. Yeah. That's in the freaking uh, everything <laughs> yeah. for the movie. But there are people who are avoiding everything. Yeah, I know. Just going at virgin uh, fresh. I yeah, well, they should be avoiding our podcast, too, then. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, they're avoiding well, yeah. podcasts, so. Yeah, they should go live on that midnight if it's farm. In, if and... it's in the trailer, I don't consider it a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's my measure. They're stealing the plans of the Death Star. It's you know, in the damn trailer. It's just, it's the Death Star instead of them stealing a list of Hitler spies or right. stealing the plans to some wonder weapon or stealing... Mm -hmm. The Enigma machine. Right. Yeah, you know, that's all it is. It's, it's the trappings are changed up, but it fits in very well. And so I would say, while I think you can't get caught in the weeds, you do need to take a, at least a general look at is this basically the right kind of garden? Or yeah. are you really trying to get something from this game that's the sort of story it was never meant to portray? And I think that's what I would look at is not the setting. It's the type of story. Mm -hmm. Because notice, Absolutely. we just talked about how D20 can tell one Star Wars story really well, but maybe not another very another well. One. Yeah. And so that's I what agree. I look at, the types of stories you're trying to tell. You know, could I tell a different sort of my homebrew using Shadowrun instead of Dresden? Could I tell a story about people on one planet that's a big machine world, it's like, I don't know, X or whatever, yeah. it's a big machine world, and it's about these people hooked up to a machine and hacking and doing all and use the, the decking rules. And the answer is probably yes. But that's not the sort of story that I would set out to tell. Yeah. And the sort of story that I would set out to tell about these larger, more descriptive sorts of magic and, you know, the, the better parody between people from radically different backgrounds, some with magic, some without, etc., etc. This is something that Shadowrun does not handle nearly as well as Dresden does in terms of the type of story that right. I want to tell. 100% agreement. Outstanding. Bam! We solved the mystery. So, thank I, you guys for... Although I think we were right the first time, too, when Pat yelled at us. Yeah, we were. But, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get cancer. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> then it's all about one-upsmanship. Yeah. And nobody wants that. I know. What do I got to do now? Go get two types of cancer. Right. <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games. And we will catch you next time. See ya.
And if you laughed at the cancer joke, you're going to hell. With us. We're game there. (laughs) This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.